Welcome to Leveling Up, where you'll learn from leading experts in talent development and explore how leaders in some of the world's most successful businesses approach employee development, manager training, and more. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also listen on our website at levelingup.co. All right. Hello, everyone. We are excited to be with you here this evening. My name is Chelsea, and I have with me here today, Sarah Hatfield. So we are honored to have Sarah with us here today to discuss people management. And Sarah is the managing director at the Tipping Point Group, where she's focused on training executive search and human resources practices. So Sarah has over 15 years of diversified experience in human resources and leadership development. So we're really excited to learn from her expertise. And she's personally created leadership programs on change management, managing diversity, networking, team building, leadership skills, communication, sexual harassment, interviewing skills, and other human resource programs. So she runs the full gamut. And today we'll be here to discuss uh, with us about building a strategic people management plan. So Sarah, I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit as well. Great. Um, Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Um, Yes, my background is pretty diverse in the sense of both what I worked in-house for as the leader of human resources, as well as as a consultant. Um, So everything from retail to technology companies, to startups, to also government and education. Um, So people management is something that I personally am very passionate about. I think every organization, no matter the industry, starts with people and the talent that you have. So some of the things we're going to walk through overview-wise today is really how you set objectives and goals for you and your team, communication with your team, and how to build collaboration, um, motivating your team, and developing your team. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Sarah. Um, So, you know, you mentioned business is rooted in people, but why else do you want to make sure you have a good people management strategy? Well, I think the key thing with people management strategy is it is a strategy. So it's not a one-time event. It's something that you have to build on constantly. Um, To me as a manager and as a leader in an organization, or even when you go in, it's a daily task. Um, It's something you have to be focused on. And it's something that your actions speak louder than your words. So you can say certain things, but unless you follow that through, um, you will lose some of your people or the people around you. We'll talk about those as we go through. Yeah, I love that. I want to emphasize daily because we talk with a lot of people and especially with this focus on smaller management teams. So, you know, the magic number being maybe you're managing five to seven direct reports. um, You might not meet with them or see them every day. So you might start to forget that your people management should really be a daily exercise and a daily strategy and and keeping thoughtfulness to that. So I think that's really um, important. Why else do you think this is particularly important? I think the other piece to it is you as a manager, whether you're a new manager or an existing manager, um, your team looks to you as the leader. And so everything you do, it's lead by example. So in order to build that collaboration across your team, which if you have great collaboration, then you're going to hit your goals and results, no matter whether what they are, whether you're producing a product, um, servicing, um, delivering opportunities within the organization. You have other people that you are supporting um, and your team is supporting. So you have to have that team collaboration. And again, I I can't emphasize this enough. It's a journey. It's definitely not an event. Yeah, I love that. It's a journey. Um, So one of the questions we get, I think, most often when talking to managers or talking to HR team leaders is about retention and their concerns for it. You know, hiring is so expensive. How does people management play a role in retention? Um, I think the key thing why I think it's so important and why I've always emphasized it, especially as a consultant going in, typically if you focus on the people management strategy, you can change outcomes. 
And I think it's important because everybody's heard this. You've seen articles, it's on the news, turnover is high. Mm-hmm. And typically when you ask the reason why individuals are changing, it's management or their manager. So you set the tone as the leader and it's by making time and spending the time and effort to do it. Um, when you think about why people pick a role or company, um, the top reasons are typically what the company stands for, the management of the company, um, how the manager is going to be, and the interest in the work. So all of those are things as a leader and as a manager you can control. Um, you can't always control the other ones. And typically people like to use the excuses compensation is the reason they leave. That's what they'll say to a manager. But when you ask in an exit interview when it's anonymous or they're not talking to anybody else, it's usually not in the top 10. Yeah. Do you, do you mind just elaborating a little further on the control piece? I find that really interesting. And, you know, oftentimes things can feel outside of your control when you're overwhelmed. Um, how can you make that feel like it's within your sphere of control, especially as a manager? Sure. I think part of it is it's about time and time is always precious as a manager. Um, there's four components that I have always thought were very important that help control that. One is your communication as a leader. Mm-hmm. How you're communicating to others is in your control. Your consistency in how you act, your actions, your behaviors, which communication is a piece of that. Um, diversity is also a piece of that. And I don't necessarily mean diversity in the staff, but diversity in how you interact with different people. Everybody has different motivators. Um, if we ask the group of people that are watching today what motivates them, we're going to get a different answer from every person. So keeping your management fluid enough to be able to adjust to that, I think respect is the other piece, which is also in your control, and trust. Mm-hmm. Those are things that you can't just go in with, but you have to build on. Um, I think every manager starts with a blank piece of paper when they meet their team or their team meets them. And the things you do add to that or take away from that. And again, you can always reset it. So if you know you've kind of lost control and you don't feel like you're managing the team the way you want to, or the team doesn't have as much respect for you, start putting things in place so that you can earn that trust back and that respect back. And I think the key to that is staying focused and following up. I think that's great. I, I love the blank piece of paper analogy um, and, and the idea that you can kind of reset, right? Um, so I'm pretty committed. I'm bought in. I'm ready to, to learn to be a great manager. Where do I start? Well, I think the key thing is remembering why it's important. So asking yourself, what type of environment do you want to lead or manage? And every organization is going to be different. You know what your goals are. You know what your priorities are. But there's certain basic things that aren't going to change. And it goes back to those things I said before. Mm -hmm. Communication, Mm -hmm. consistency, diversity, respect, and trust are all part of those. But again, how does that play into what do you want for the environment? Yeah, And you can choose that. So I think, you know, today we can't tell you what that is because you know your own environment but there's things that we can provide that will help support that but always keeping that question in mind because what you want in the environment is what your strategy should reflect and your actions should reflect I think that's awesome and you mentioned priorities with that as well which is incredibly important I found sometimes people think about people management in this sort of HR box and you know there are tools out there you can read it's like okay I have good effective one-on-ones and I give feedback and I'm a people manager but can you talk a little bit more considering business priorities and your maybe some of your like business strategy and why that should complement your people management strategy? Um, sure. I, I guess to answer the question, I'll give an example. Um, I worked in an organization that um, was on the brink of major growth or bankruptcy. <laughs> there was two oh, options. Okay. And, you know, 
being in HR, everybody looks to HR as what are you up to? Are you downsizing, going to lay people off? Or are you hiring? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, communication goes back to that. So if you think about the communication, trust and respect, I was very upfront with my team because they were getting asked questions throughout the field too. And so my answer to them when it came up was, yeah, those are our two options right now. If we get funding, we're going to grow. If we don't get funding, we've got to restructure. To really think that you're on that brink like that can be stressful. But I think what happened as an organization, because we communicated that out and we're very upfront, individuals came back to us with solutions of how to save money. Things where we were wasting money that we weren't aware of globally, um, that even if we didn't get the funding, which in a good place, we got the funding, but we were also able to streamline and cut out some of that gray area that we were spending money on that we didn't need to. And it was nice to see collectively as a team and as an organization, because of that communication, trust and respect, we weren't trying to hide it. We weren't doing smoke and mirrors. Um, And it was a very stressful time. I don't think anybody that went through it would have said, oh, this is a lot of fun. Um, It got fun later when we had more funding, Um, but we came up with solutions together as a team. And and I say team is with an HR, but also team as a company. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's a, a great example and a very holistic approach. It's And as a manager too, you're working on all these diverse sets of things, like why put people management in a box, you know, figure out how to combine it together. That's lovely. Um, something else you mentioned, and I just want to make sure we elaborate on this, was that as a manager who's been around for a while, and if you start to feel like you're losing control a little bit, you can reconnect. Yep. So this can work if I'm a new manager, if I'm a manager who's been managing people for a while, is it just a broad range strategy? I think so. So the two things I really want to walk through in detail that I think work for everybody to level set, um, whether you are a new manager, you're walking into a new department. Mm-hmm. So maybe you've been a manager for a while, but you're now taking over a new team or you're an existing manager and you feel like it's not going quite the way you want. So again, going back to that question, what do you want your environment to be? What do you want your team to be? Um, And one thing that I found very consistent across the board, no matter what industry that helps people do that is having team meetings. And that team meeting can have a lot of different scope to it. It can be weekly, it can be monthly, it can be quarterly, depends on the size of your team. And also depends if people are face-to-face or remote and it works no matter what. Um, I've had teams where I've had people across the country and some of the team had never met each other physically. Um, They may talk to each other on the phone and we did, you know, conference call meetings where everybody could participate in here and takes a little bit more organization when you do that way because you have to cut people off sometimes or have timeframes. But you have to organize it so you're getting Carrying again goes the same communication, same consistency, uh, same level of trust and follow-up. So everybody has a voice. I think that's where you start. And I think you can do it in a couple different ways, but we can get into that shortly if you want. Yeah, definitely. No, I think, I think that's great. And, and good, a good thing to remember, you are managing a team. Um, and something you and I have also discussed is you're also managing a team of individuals. And you said right in the beginning, and for those of you just joining us, by the way, this is Sarah Hatfield, and we are talking about strategic people management. So we'd love any of your questions or comments in the comments section. Um, and we'll be answering those for you live. But she had told us, Sarah told us right in the very beginning, that this is about people. And something that's important to remember is diversity and diversity of mindset and motivation and the individuals that you're working with. So I'm managing a team, but I'm managing a team of individuals. How do I manage those specific individuals? Um, well, one of the things I find that's really relevant and what I've always done is I set up one-on-ones with the direct reports that report to me. Um, I found that that's very useful because everybody reacts differently. Um, one of the things I've asked, and I do this in a team meeting. So 
my first team meeting when I go into an organization. So for example, as a consultant, um, I'll go in and they don't report to me directly, but I'm hired to have a very clear deliverable or project that needs to get done. And I'm doing it without authority, but they kind of report to me, but they don't. So one of the first things I usually do is have a meeting, a team meeting, and I can walk through the points of what I usually suggest for an agenda for that. But then I set up one-on-ones with individuals so that I get to know who they are Mm-hmm. and make that connection with them. And I think that's the key. You want to make a connection with the team and you want to make the connection individually. When you meet with them individually, you can find out more about them. And I do have specific questions I suggest that you can do that. And that gets the person more comfortable. Again, whether it's remote and you're talking to the person or it's face-to-face, they both are effective because you get to find out more about that person's role, responsibilities, what drives them, mm-hmm. how they like to have feedback, um, where their aspirations are, um, And it helps you in the long run be more effective, more collaborations, how you can build on the team. That's great. And something you also mentioned with the authority piece that's really awesome because we have a lot of managers asking about impact and influence and authority, especially if you're a new manager or you're managing a brand new team. Um, So it sounds like one way to kind of gain this authority and trust and influence is around getting to know them as people and respecting them as people and communicating with them as individuals. Is that kind of where you're going? Yeah, I think, I think the key thing as a manager, um, you're still always going to be the manager and the final decision sometimes rests with you or decision-making, um, but you don't have to do that right away. So if you're a new manager or you're walking into a new environment or you want to reset where you're at, um, one of the key things I've always thought of is you have to listen. What is going on? What is the pulse or the vibe of the team? Um, if you, goes back to that, again, that question, what kind of environment do you want to have? You know, we all know certain environments that we left or didn't like or didn't participate well in. There's environments that are very siloed where information is um, controlled. Uh, You're very tightly, almost like it's power if you have the information. And you have to decide what works best for you and your organization. Um, There's ones where sometimes there's probably too much communication, whether it's gossip or sharing of things that aren't true. Mm -hmm. Um, An example that, you know, I shared before when we were going through a very tense time of whether we're going to file bankruptcy or get funding, there was more rumors about what we were doing than what we actually were doing, which is why um, I made the decision that we were very upfront about the two choices and what the timing was and what we needed to do. So it kind of takes some of that rumor and gossip out um, because it's it's something else as a manager and a leader that you have to manage and look at as well. And sometimes it's other departments, you know, Uh, there's certain departments that probably work very well together and other ones that we know are dysfunctional. So Figuring out what works for your team um, sometimes can be envious of others. Yeah, definitely. It also sounds like a very good strategy to control the narrative, right? Um, Getting ahead of that. Um, That's great. So you talked about several key areas, and I'd love to dive into those in more detail. So when we're thinking about the people management plan, um, what's what's the first area that you really want managers to focus on? Let's say they've already identified their environment. They've had a team meeting. Um, what's the first big topic for them? I, I think I think it depends. Let's back up a little bit. I think for the okay. first team meeting, I think it's important to make sure that the first team meeting, you set the tone of what you want for that mm-hmm. environment. So like agendas for the first meeting, I keep very simple. It's a welcome, it's introductions, and it's an update. Now, that's what's written on the agenda. One mm-hmm. of the things I always add that's not on the agenda is some kind of recognition. And I don't have it printed on the agenda because I don't want people to think it's an award. Mm-hmm. Um, usually you can recognize somebody for doing something out of the ordinary, or if you're a new manager, recognize them for helping you through that transition of becoming part of the team. 
Um, and I think you can do it in lots of different ways in those welcome, but if you keep it brief to that point, you're setting the tone of how you want to lead going forward. Um, you can, part of your update can be how you want future meetings to go, depending on the organization. Um, I've had organizations where because of the sensitivity of what we were doing, we had to meet weekly and I've had other ones we meet quarterly. So you determine what the best need is for your team. And as a manager, um, one of the things I would suggest is don't pick a time frame that you don't can't make a commitment to. So if you know you're going to do it really every two weeks or once a month, don't say you're going to do it weekly because the worst thing you can do is set a time and then cancel mm-hmm. That's the message to your team that they're not important. Yep. So like my team knew that the only time I ever canceled team meetings or one-on-one is if I got a meeting with my boss, which was the CEO or the board, they, yep. they trumped, they knew that. And so, um, but they didn't take offense to it because they knew that anybody else tried to schedule a meeting. I still had my schedule already booked and they, they stood, they got to keep their schedule time. No, that's great. Um, updates. You mentioned some housekeeping on how maybe you want the meetings to go. Are there any other updates that you try to always give the team or things that you keep the rest of? Is that where you're also talking about recognition or is recognition a separate category? I usually do recognition separate. I think updates, um, for me, I have it be updates from the team. Oh, great. So I typically, as a leader, always go last for mm-hmm. the update. And I want somebody, I have every person share an update on something they've worked on. Awesome. Because I think it's also a way to make sure the team collectively knows all the different pieces that people are working on. It's, it's still a team. There may be po- pieces that somebody else is working on more than somebody else. Mm-hmm. And there's usually something they've done. And it's a way for them to call out their own work. And yeah. I found it's been very successful. And then updates from me as a leader always last. Yep. And that way you can kind of bring it all back together. And sometimes if you didn't have a recognition, by the time you hear the updates... You may have somebody else in mind that you can say, okay, this project is further along than we thought. We're ahead of deadlines. Mm-hmm. You can adjust that. Yep. First, you go first, you know, you can kind of ruin the thunder of what other people are working on. Yes, definitely. Um, and can you go more into recognitions? I think sometimes this is a word we use a lot, um, but we're not doing it as often as we'd like to as managers. And it might feel just kind of intimidating or, uh, I don't know, challenging. How do you, how do you remember to do it? And how do you normally um, recognize your team members in those conversations? Sure. I think there's lots of different ways. And I think it, again, goes back to knowing your team and knowing the people. So um, sometimes it can be very simple. It's just saying thank you. So mm-hmm. back to the scenario that I described before, once we got through and got funding, you know, I specifically called the team together and the meeting was just, thank you for keeping the communication consistent. Thanks for, you know, being supportive, going through this time frame. Uh, another organization I was at, we went through um, something that was very strange that nobody had been through before where we had press camped out in our offices. Oh, wow. so a random scenario that wasn't, it was related to us, but it wasn't related to us. It was about people that used to work there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, every time you came into work or candidates came into work or different people, you had to walk through this gauntlet of questions and barrage from the press. Um, and we're not talking one or two. We're talking, you know, probably more than 30 at every given point in time. You know, <laughs> through that, you know, we very specifically talked about, hey, I appreciate everybody staying consistent, showing integrity, not getting involved with something that happened in the past. Some of us never knew the individuals, mm-hmm. uh, but it was one of those things where people were focused on things that happened under different tenure, different leadership. Yep. And 
something you did there too with recognition in a tough situation. Um, I've heard leaders before just say like, great job sticking in there. Um, I like that you're calling out integrity. You're calling out consistency. You're almost helping them build a repeatable pattern in the future, right? Like you're, you're serving them what you want them to do again next time as well. Right. So most of what I do for recognition is always about behavior. Mm. So it's about behavior actions, because if you recognize them for the behaviors and actions, not just results, mm-hmm. um, because sometimes you can get the result, but you don't have the behavior action that got you to the right result. Yep. Can you give an example of that? Do you mind? That's sure. Um, you know, sometimes there's a deadline. Um, I'll use information technology, for example. Sometimes you are trying to get a, a new software update out and go live. And sometimes you can take shortcuts in some of the Q&A and analysis part of it um, to still launch. Uh-huh. You can go back to the other piece where that's not necessarily something I would recognize that we launched on time when I knew that we did a band-aid in a sense to, to just get it there. But when we got all the pieces in place with the documentation, all the Q&A matched up and it was successful completely and we didn't have to go back and that's when I would recognize that we were actually complete nice definitely that's super useful and I think the distinction between the two is important as we're considering recognition it helps us maybe not do those soft recognizing pieces that aren't as meaningful right and I think it goes back to sometimes start setting the tone at the team meeting so if the team mm-hmm. meeting you keep focus on the the components of welcome introductions and update in that introduction one of the things I suggest is you ask questions that are not necessarily specifically work-related. Those will help you figure out also how to recognize your team. So sometimes asking the questions of, you know, how long you've been there. Uh, it can be something quirky that's not related to work. What's mm-hmm. your? I have a tendency to ask, what's your favorite snack? <laughs> is one of my favorite ones because if you find out what people's favorite snacks are, now you know when there's something that they do, you can leave that behind. And I'll use it as an example is one of my teams all said popcorn, which is mm-hmm. The entire 25 people want to love. <laughs> um, and I lived in a different state at the time. I live in Chicago right now. Anybody that's been to Chicago has probably heard of Garrett's Popcorn, which is quite famous. It's at the airport. People um, have it shipped all over the place. Um, so I had Garrett shipped in to where we were living. I was living at the time, which is Pittsburgh. Um, and so there's like a huge tub of three different flavors of popcorn. When we hit a certain deliverable and goal, um, we went live with an HR new system, which was a lot of work on lots of different people's part. And they enjoyed the popcorn probably more than anything. To this day, I still get text messages from people that are, can you ship some popcorn? Um, you know, so, you know, by asking sometimes questions to get to know them more, it's also a way later on you can recognize them through those things too. Yeah, definitely. And that's so personalized, right? It, it shows that you listened, which was something you brought up really early on. Um, but I'd love to know too, so that was kind of a team example mm-hmm. of how you recognized a whole team. How do you consider recognizing your whole team versus an individual differently? I think individually, I think it goes back to some of those one-on-one meetings. So you're going to find in those one-on-one meetings, some individuals won't want to be recognized privately mm. because that's who they are. And other people want to be recognized at a meeting. So of my teams, as you get to know them and work with them, you'll figure out how to do that. Um, And again, it goes back to, as I said before, this is a journey. It's not an event. Nobody is going to know this overnight. And it really comes back to really listening and paying attention to your teams on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will use an example of Amanda, who knows. I 
she knows I use this as an example about her. Um, Amanda's an individual I would describe and she would describe herself this way. It's very high maintenance. Mm -hmm. Amanda was one of these people that every day needed to be spoken to, feel like she was part of something bigger to stay motivated. Mm -hmm. Um, She knows that about herself, but it's not something you necessarily needed to do in front of a team meeting Mm -hmm. or a team setting, but she's an individual as a manager that I need to touch base with daily. At some point in the time to make sure she knew that I knew what she was working on. And again, it's five minutes, 10 minutes, but she needed that. Somebody else on the team, Mike, for example, he didn't want to be bugged or talked to. He was focused on what he needed to do, sometimes laser focused on it. Um, And he would bring stuff at the one-on-ones that he wanted to go through. But other than that, don't interrupt his day. He's getting through these things. Mm -hmm. You kind of learn as you go through. Again, it's a process. You know, no one's going to tell you right off the bat, the first time they meet you, that they're high maintenance. Um, and if Amanda's her own words to describe herself, um, you know, and shortly you can figure that out sometimes based mm-hmm. on their connections. Yeah. Again, worker, she gets things done. She just needs more attention on a daily basis than somebody else. Yeah. Definitely. And you have an individualized strategy for her that works really well, which is great. And the personalization, I think, is is super impressive. And at the same time, it sounds like it's very time consuming. So, you know, as a manager, how are you balancing your time, especially with these personalized strategies? I I think the key, what I found with it, again, it's a people management strategy. If you focus on that piece, you Mm. find time in the day. Mm. So it sounds time consuming, but when you don't pay attention to your teams, you don't listen, you don't communicate and you're not consistent. Things have a tendency to um, blow up uh, things happen that you don't know about. Your team doesn't come tell you in advance of something mm-hmm. uh, because they're afraid they're thinking they're going to get in trouble. And I found as a manager, I'd rather know sooner than later that we can fix it together. Yep. Potentially versus not knowing. And so in the long run, um, I think you're better off, even if you spend a little bit of time every single day with a couple people, one person, um, you're going to get that time back in space because your team's more productive. Um, you're developing your team. You're paying attention to them. There's collaboration. So even if you're not available, they may talk to somebody else in the team that they didn't talk to you before because you had a team meeting and they kind of understand each other better. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely worth the investment. I yeah. know people that say that, hey, I don't, I don't have time. I can't do it. And if they just start doing it in small pieces, they see the reward in the long run. And a very short time in most cases. Definitely. So how else can I use my time as a manager to make sure my team is working smarter? Um, I think, you know, I think it goes back to, I, I hate to keep using the same words over and over again, but I think it is about um, building that consistency. So yep. that's follow-up. Um, it's in your own actions. It's in your own results. So spending that time, your mm-hmm. own behaviors. I think it's also in spending time with them that helps them develop. Mm-hmm. So leaders, the other piece that we don't have a lot of time today for, but I think is a key component is sharing your knowledge and expertise. Mm-hmm. There's a reason you're a manager. There's a reason your company picked you, hired you, promoted you to that. Um, you don't necessarily want to broadcast at the beginning because sometimes, again, it's got to be about them. Um, I think that's the one mistake that managers make when they first get promoted or come into a new area is I'm the manager. It's going to be my way or the highway. I've heard that multiple times in meetings that people host and it has a tendency to backfire because you're not taking in all the team's input because they have expertise too. And 
you have to look at it, you know, as you are better together collectively than individually. And so I think that's a way to also build on that is spending time sharing that knowledge or expertise. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, As you have more team meetings and there's somebody that has a really unique specialty that everybody doesn't necessarily understand, have them show a piece of it or explain some of the things they do for 10 minutes in a team meeting. Mm -hmm. In future meetings, that specialty um, that they've helped develop other people. And sometimes it's very simple. Um, An example of a group that I had, um, nobody used Excel very often. Mm -hmm. Um, HR is not a very (laughs) budget-driven place. We have a certain numbers, but we don't use Excel. What are you talking about? Yeah. And so nobody on the team really understood macros. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it comes up at times here and there. And so we had one of the individuals do a PowerPoint of how to do macros and how to create more spreadsheets with graphics and things so that when they did arrive, it wasn't always delegated to that one person who understood it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's just a simple skill like that, that gets everybody to feel like, Hey, I know something else different. Even though I'm going to use it maybe once a year or twice a year, mm-hmm. it save me a lot more time. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. That's how much time did you even spend in that meeting? What, 15, 30 minutes on that? It was about 15. 15 minutes. You recognized the team member for a special skill that they had uniquely. You were able to teach everyone else a different skill. You had a collaborative moment. You showed teamwork. I mean, that's an amazing 15 minutes. I think that's yeah, great. You don't have to do it every meeting, but if you, if you meet once a month, if you do it every other month, mm-hmm. once a quarter, you're building on that. And again, it goes back to those same things, consistency, communication, respect, trust, yeah. developing people, sharing expertise, um, and again, it's not a one-time thing. It's building on it each time. That's great. I love it. Um, so for those of you just joining us, we're here with Sarah Hatfield talking people management. Um, we have just covered recognition and time, um, and time specifically that it's, it's worth the investment and it will pay out in the end. Um, but I'd love to move on to my, my favorite topic that is just always buzzing, whether it's online, in blogs, or in person, which is feedback. So I'm a manager, you know, I am ultimately wanting to manage my team to high performance. How can I provide constructive feedback? Here's how I look at it as an HR leader. And there's going to be other HR leaders out there that disagree with me on this. But um, if anybody's played sports at any point in your life, career-wise, I always look at it as a manager, you are a coach. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to provide feedback as a coaching moment in the moment. Okay, not criticism and not ridiculing somebody in a group setting, but if you do it immediately in a situation, it's much more receptive. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, one of the things I highlight is the one-on-one meetings. That's where you can get into more specific feedback sometimes if there's something that's continually happening that needs to be corrected. Mm -hmm. So I'll use one of my um, employees again, Amanda, who calls herself high maintenance. Um, She was somebody that needed constant feedback both to be motivated, but also to keep her focused on her tasks. Um, Man was not the most time management sensitive person. And so with her um, giving her different deadlines than other people so that we kept her on task because she wants to succeed and she was very good at what she did. She would just get distracted like there was no tomorrow. Um, And after you do it for a period of time, I would say probably 30 to 45 days of having these kind of her skill set changed mm-hmm. and you didn't have to do that. So again, it's the investment as a manager of coaching and providing feedback. Um, one of the things as an HR leader is I highly discourage, highly don't provide all the feedback at the annual review. 
Mm, yes. Do not wait six months or a year to say, oh, these are all the things you were doing wrong. Um, because it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It creates that person to be very defensive. Think back to the reason why people leave organizations. If that person didn't know for 365 days they were doing something wrong, mm-hmm. they're going to start looking. Yeah. Because they, feel like they were being set up. They're mm-hmm. defensive going forward. They're not necessarily going to be very collaborative. Um, but if you let them know the week something happened that wasn't quite the way it should have been, and there wasn't probably another way to do that, you're developing them. You're working with them. You're listening to them. You'll find that that is much more successful for you from a time management standpoint, building a better employee within the organization. Um, Not to say there's not individuals out there that you can't give very strong feedback and you may have to discipline it at a review process. But again, it's something that's probably ongoing, Mm -hmm. that they're doing something wrong or against policy or integrity or, you know, disrespectful of other team members. That's a different scenario than providing feedback. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So giving feedback in the moment, super critical so they don't feel surprised. Um, And you also mentioned, you know, coaching versus criticism. Could you just, if you don't mind, elaborate a little bit on that? Because I think that's where people struggle most, or at least that's what I'm talking about most is the difference that they, the line is finer than we'd like it to be almost. Like I think the thing that I find with feedback, when you think about coaching, it's Mm -hmm. usually an action. So let's use the sports analogy. If someone's playing basketball, I think of that because of March Madness going on right now. Yep. Somebody uh, travels, it's because they weren't dribbling correctly. So can you teach them the skill of how to dribble correctly? That's Mm -hmm. an action and behavior. Yep. Okay. That's not discipline. That's not, you know, reprimanding them. That's fixing a specific situation to get a better result. Mm -hmm. So when you think about um, how to do that, you really need to focus again on the behaviors, results, results. is it knowledge they're lacking? Is it expertise they're lacking that you can help coach them on or develop them on? So I always think about those five things, results, behaviors, um, actions, knowledge, and expertise. Mm -hmm. That's great. And continuing the dribbling analogy, I mean, I assume it's as simple as instead of saying, you really, you really didn't dribble the ball that well, let's do better next time. It's kind of diving in more with them and, and discussing it, right? I mean, it can be as simple as something. Um, I think this is the one that a new manager sometimes have to address with newer employees sometimes. Mm-hmm. How do they send emails? Okay. The tone of an email is probably the opportunity that managers have the opportunity to coach on the most. Mm-hmm. Sending something that's in all caps sends a very different tone mm-hmm. than writing it in a paragraph form. Now, oh. There's going to be times where somebody accidentally hit all caps and they didn't realize it went out that way. Mm-hmm. But with technology, everybody using, you know, iPhones, and everything else to send something off in the moment, that tone can change how people read it. Yeah. So I think the emails is an opportunity sometimes to do that coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things I think that's important with feedback, and this is what I use for one-on-ones too, is as a manager, ask for feedback. Mm. Yep. This is how we can continue to learn and improve our actions, our results, our knowledge, our expertise, same way we're trying to improve our teams. And I think you can't be afraid of that. And that comes back to that trust and follow-up piece Mm -hmm. and consistency. Um, Because again, you may not know how, you know what your intent was when you wrote that email. I'll use emails as again, but how they took it. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And I assume it also, if you're a manager and, you are asking for feedback and having conversations around your own actions and behaviors, you'll open your team up to do the same thing. And you're building that safe space where we're a team. This is a team that is growing and learning together, right? Yep. And I think growing together and developing together, and then you're not, either side's not defensive. 
Again, this is a way to troubleshoot things when things come up where people don't want to come to you. Mm -hmm. When things go wrong or something is off track, you don't want to be the last person they want to tell as the manager. Yes. You want to be the first person they tell. Absolutely. And they're only going to do that if they feel it's safe to come tell you. And I think sometimes opening yourself up to say, how else can I improve? Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things I've always said to my team, they joke around about it. They even had a t-shirt made. Um, is that at team meetings or one-on-one meetings, I always ask this question, what do you need from me? Mm -hmm. And it's very simple, but it can send a huge message to your team. Um, You may not ever get answers from some people and other people are going to give you a long laundry list. You know, Um, I want to win a lottery ticket. (laughs) Um, You also get concrete things that are going to help them with, again, their actions, results, behaviors, knowledge, and expertise. Definitely. I'm to ask that question. So what did the t-shirt say? What, what, do you have any questions for me? <laughs> That's what it said, just right on the front. Oh yeah, right on the front. That's so great. I love it. So you clearly have such a strong relationship with your team members and you built that over time. As we mentioned in the very beginning, uh, Sarah started us off by saying, decide intentionally on the environment you want to develop. And then we've been talking about recognition, time and feedback to get there. But is there ever a time that you've made a mistake? And if you do make a mistake as a manager, how do you go about dealing with that? Yeah, I'll use my own personal experience. So when I first became a manager, um, I was very, very young. I was probably the youngest. um, I was a manager before, but the youngest director in an organization ever in the company history. Um, I was under the age of 30 when they promoted me. And my leader that I reported to had a very clear vision different than what I believe personally, but at the time you worked in this environment, you're new, you're like, okay. Um, which was very hierarchical. Mm. There's them and there's us. And so he very much had a closed door policy. He wanted his managers to have a closed door policy, other people. And I figured out in a very short period of time, about six months, that didn't work for me. And it was not successful mm. because you didn't have communication. You didn't have consistency. You didn't have trust. And there wasn't respect. Mm-hmm. They don't know what you're doing and you don't know what they're doing other than kind of uh, managing by a gotcha. Again, that's not how feedback works. That's not how managing should work. Um, you know, to me, that's not very successful and it doesn't have a long-term result to it. Mm-hmm. So I think being open to that and sharing that and when there's smaller problems that don't work, you know, owning it, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's times where, you know, I have no problem admitting my team also knows this too. In most cases, I will take the hit with my boss, the CEO, versus letting my team take it because it is my team and mm-hmm. you know, something happened. You know, In HR, sometimes there's a candidate that they really want to come on board as a senior level position and something goes wrong in the process, whether they decide they're not relocating or the sniffing other doesn't want to move and it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, certain people sometimes get very upset by that because there's a lot of time invested. Yep. Um, that's still on me. That's not an individual person that was recruiting them. Mm-hmm. I think it's super powerful and clearly it's probably built a lot of the trust you have on your team and, and the respect for you. And I think long-term trust. I mean, one of the things I'm very proud of is some of the people that I managed 10 years ago, 15 years ago, still touch base. Um, I haven't had them for a long time, but they'll call and ask questions their managers themselves now. And they're finding that sometimes, you know, it's like, okay, I just did this, which I do. I'm like, own it. Tell them you goofed. And, you know, the deadline is not a month from now. It's in two weeks. Tell them that the deadline got moved up and be upfront about it. Don't try to move it up five days before the deadline. Give them yeah. that heads up that you maybe it'll get accomplished. 
Yep. And I love that. I think, you know, we've talked about a lot of tips and tricks for managers as we've been going and an earlier example involved, you know, learning about their favorite snack and giving popcorn and that could maybe buy you some shorter term respect and show some personalization, but admitting to a mistake and, you know, taking the fall when it's your responsibility for the whole team, those seem huge. I love the idea of long-term trust. That's so powerful. Yeah. And, I th- and it's something that, again, goes back to that first question. What kind of environment do you want? Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, my personal opinion, and this is something I feel very strong on, it's, it's so much nicer to work in a team environment than work in an environment that's siloed. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody wants to work in an environment that you feel like you have to watch over your back all the time because who's going to stab you in the back or what are they saying? What are they doing? Um, it creates stress. It creates anxiety in the environment. So as a leader, again, as I mentioned at the beginning, you have control of that. Yep. And so I think, you know, you have to be conscious of your words, your actions on a regular basis. So, you know, some of the questions I said and you can ask in a meeting, you have to be willing to ask ones that are professional, but also let people explore who they are, but you don't want to put people in a position where they feel anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things I always find interesting about the agenda for the meeting, don't call the meeting for tomorrow. Don't send the email out at eight o'clock at night and say, we're going to have a meeting tomorrow at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. Stress out. They assume it's the worst. They think it's bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I typically like to schedule meetings out a week in advance or several days. So if you're going to have a meeting for next Tuesday, make sure you send the agenda out by Friday. Yep. Over the weekend, they know the three things you're going to ask. It's a welcome, introductions, and it's an update. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to stress about it. If you want something concrete at the meeting and there's specific information you want them to share, put it in the agenda so people are prepped for it and they can bring it. Um, that will ease so much of the tension and stress within an organization and as a team if you communicate that. Yep, definitely. And, you know, I love the example of just scheduling a team meeting because if you're the type of team who has meetings all the time and a lot of smaller teams do stand-ups, so you might feel like you're meeting with your team frequently, I think sometimes we forget the impact of those small actions as a manager. And so if you're not thoughtful towards your team's perception of a last minute meeting, you might just think, oh, I had an exciting update and I threw it on the calendar. You know, they're, they're showing up. I, that intentionality is something I've just heard throughout your entire conversation. That's so impactful. And I think, again, it's, like I said, it's not an event. It's a journey you have to layer on. I always think it's foundation pieces. So one of the things that I found very successful when I say updates, you ask them for the update first. Just mm-hmm. by asking that simple question puts more of a collectiveness as a team. Okay. Yeah. They want to hear from you. They want an update from you. You're going to give that, but there's things that they know and have too, that the whole group may necessarily know, mm-hmm. you know, five people may be working on a project and the other 10 are not. Yep. It's nice to hear that. And then sometimes what you find when you have those updates is other people can add value and expertise that nobody knew about because the teams have shifted and changed over periods of time, or they were in different divisions or different groups. And now they're together. Um, they can move a project forward faster. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things you're also doing in those updates is sharing information. So how do you think about information sharing from the perspective of a manager? Um, I think, it, again, it goes back to what you want the environment or culture to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in HR, I'll give you an example. There's lots of things we can't share. Yep. <laughs> um, they always think that we're hiding things and there's smoke and mirrors. And sometimes there is. It's the nature of the business. I mean, we're not going to say we're hiring Candidate A, when it's not done and official yet, you don't want to jeopardize different people's positions. When people are interviewing, we don't say who's interviewing for what job. It's not, we're trying to be secretive. We're trying to be professional and confidential mm-hmm. in the information we have. So when we give updates, 
people have a tendency to really listen, but I think it's that way with any manager when they give an update. So think about what you want to say and how you want to convey that. Maybe your first meeting is only the fact that it's an update to say, you're going to schedule one-on-one mm-hmm. with your team. If you're doing that for the first time, even if you're an existing manager and you're going to start scheduling one-on-ones, I highly suggest you say it at the team meeting. Everybody hears it at the same time. So there's no rumors, gossip that starts because you scheduled a one-on-one with somebody. Mm-hmm. If somebody hears about it and thinks, are they in trouble? Do they do something? Are they getting promoted? Oh, yeah. they're the favorite one. Mm-hmm. So if everybody hears it together, it's that. I also have a tendency after the first team meeting is to send a little bit of a recap about what was covered. Mm-hmm. Where you can also recognize individuals. Um, it's another way to do recognition is sometimes an email to if somebody calls something out, they got done, but also saying them, this is what the one-on-ones are going to be about. Mm-hmm. And I typically make the team send me availability. Yep. So I don't pick it. So I'll send it out and say, okay, give me a couple times and days that work for you. Um, I usually do one-on-ones for 30 minutes. As you get into a routine, you may need less or more time with different individuals. Um, and I walk kind of through what the agenda is going to be. And I typically ask three to four questions of them to bring to the one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Those questions can vary from, you know, what are your career aspirations? Um, especially if you're new to that group and that team, I always ask how they like to have feedback. Mm. It's a way to kind of break the ice or how do you want to get new information? What do you want to love to help on? Um, the other one that I like to ask that's one of my favorites is what is your biggest obstacle at work? Mm-hmm. Okay. Not that as a manager, you can solve it. You know, people will say more money, faster system. I need a laptop, all these other random things. But if there's something concrete that you could potentially change and all your team members are saying the same thing, yep. then you know that you can potentially advocate for that to probably solve it. Yeah. And I imagine if it's something you can't solve, just showing them that you care and you're hearing and listening and sitting there giving them a platform to discuss that with you must be very powerful. It's powerful in multiple ways because one, they feel like they're being respected. Mm-hmm. They feel like you trust their opinion. You're communicating. So it's a two-way communication and you're being consistent about it. Yep. And again, just doing those two things, the team meeting and one-on-ones can start changing that environment to what you want it to be. Yeah, definitely. And I, I want to call out a few nuggets of information you mentioned there that I just, I really loved. One, and we've been talking a lot about some very thoughtful practices and intentionality, but you know, you mentioned sharing these things in updates and team meetings, and it kind of removes some of the pressure. So you don't have to consider, oh, did I tell so-and-so that I was doing one-on-ones and the purpose for them? If it's just on the agenda, this is something I'm sharing at the team meeting with everyone. They're all going to hear the same message. You know, there's no drama or gossip coming from that. So I think that's really lovely. Um, and then also putting the one-on-one kind of on their timetable, letting them choose the time frame. that's a little unique. But also puts ownership on them. So if they don't send you times, Mm. Not with the one-on-one. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. ownership on both sides. So it creates us coming to the table equally. Um, I, I think also one of the things that's important about the scheduling and the place, um, I typically don't have one-on-ones in my office. So as a manager, especially in the environments everybody's in now, sometimes you have an office, sometimes you're not in your cube. Yep. Um, try to get a conference room or someplace else that's quiet, even sometimes going to the lounge area and you're meeting one-on-one someplace outside. So neither one of you is across from a desk. Hmm. That way you both have equal footing um, and you can generally be more open. Um, you also don't have the distractions of your, you know, desktop or laptop being telling you have ma- messages or mail on either side. Mm-hmm. So you that 30 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you decide it is um, to do that. 
Yep. Out of routine with that. I mean, if there's individuals that are newer to the team and they want specific skills or knowledge, you can kind of, once you get to know them, okay, now you're going to start putting 10 minutes on that, going over that. You know, as you go through a routine, sometimes 10 minutes about topics they want to fill you in on, 10 minutes is about topics I want to fill them in on, mm-hmm. to what they're working on or coaching feedback, and 10 minutes is open. So you yep. can figure out the routine. Again, 30 minutes isn't horrible to carve out. Um, is it easy? No. But if you make the effort, I can tell you the rewards there. Yeah, definitely. And there's so many structures for one-on-ones now. I don't know if you've seen these, but there's all these templates and structures and ask these questions and every one-on-one, no matter what, you know, ideas like that. Something you're saying that's so different from that, and I really love it, is the personalization of the meeting. It sounds like you really are adopting an agenda that works best for that person and your relationship and your management of them, which is great. I think that goes back to what I mentioned at the beginning, diversity. Everybody's different. Mm, yep. You know what I mean? One person's going to want very concrete. We're going to go over this, this, and this, and that works for them. And that may work for you with them back. Somebody else is going to want to talk more grandiose about what they want aspirations to do. But again, you can pull it back as the manager. Like, we still need to go over these things. And I think that's where it makes it more effective and efficient for both because you can provide feedback, that coaching in the moment. And again, I'm not saying you have to meet with your whole team every week. You figure out what work routine works. Sometimes it's once a quarter. Um, one thing I would also suggest as a manager is if you have direct reports and then you have individuals report to a manager that reports to you mm-hmm. at least once a quarter meet with those other people. Oh, that's so interesting. I've, I, I like that a lot. And then there's also something about pride and hierarchy that can get in the way with that sometimes. Yeah, what do you think up, about that? If you, if you set up as a precedence in the beginning, you do everybody the same, yeah. that manager isn't going to be intimidated by it. Again, it's 30 minutes, but it feels like more collectively as a team. What I've also found is when you start doing that, Um, those managers that work for you and report into you will start doing something similar to their teams. And they may meet with them more on a weekly basis and do more of that knowledge, skill transfer, building expertise, coaching in the moment that they maybe weren't doing. Uh, Because I think that's the other part that's hard sometimes is that um, a manager of managers, the in-between manager has a tendency to want the senior leader to Mm be the uh, I'll use a term that's not HR friendly, the hammer when it comes <laughs> to feedback or pieces that managers will say, oh, so-and-so is going to talk to you. Yep. You know, there's, you know, I walked into an environment where they created a culture around me, Sarah, as being um, the terminator um, so that I was going to fix all the problems. And if you didn't do something, you were gone um, because they weren't managing themselves or providing the feedback. Mm-hmm. So you, I was the one being the coach, the criticism kind of thing. And it wasn't criticism, but we have to course correct mm-hmm. we have to in the right place at the right time. And do you think the environment where the manager of the manager is the hammer is, is okay sometimes, or would your suggestion be to shift it so that those middle managers are taking responsibility? I think it depends on the scenario. Yep. I think times it's relevant and it's appropriate. I Got mean, it. absolutely. The roles I've had, I'm the one that terminates. I mean, if you're the head of HR, it falls to me. No matter if it's the CEO's direct report or not, I'm still the one that gets to walk them out. Um, you know what I mean? So yep. those things still happen, but I think it's making sure that that person's aware of it and those things are happening before you get to there. What you don't want to have is that surprise when you have that hard conversation of, I didn't know anything about it. Like, it goes back to what I said about not providing feedback only at the annual review. Where yep. the first time that person's going, what? I didn't know I wasn't doing that or I was supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, you know, you mentioned a lot, this is planning, not surprising people. Let's get that preparation up front. 
if I'm a manager who's been doing this for a little while and I realize I didn't do this planning up front, I didn't prepare them, I didn't set these important precedents, what's like the first course correcting action? How do I, how do I begin to turn that table? I think it's having the team meeting. If you haven't had a team mm-hmm. meeting with your team, there's absolutely no reason why you can't have a team meeting and say, you know what, we've all been working together for a long time, but I'm not sure if we really know each other. And ask mm-hmm. these questions and have them introduce each other, not about what they're working on, but just to get to know them as a team. And, and then ask them, what do you want the goals of the team to be? Yep. And sometimes that's the way to do it. Um, I've had the opportunity to walk into an environment that everyone had been there probably 25 years plus for the same organization. I was 30 days and I'm going to be their leader. And sometimes you have to do it that way too. You know, what they've been doing for so long, they're in their routine and you don't want to disrupt that, but how can you be more efficient? There's usually a reason that they hired outside. Things aren't going the way that they want, but there's a lot of things there that are great. There's some, we're amazing best practices, but they weren't promoting that. They weren't sharing the best practices as much as what was not happening. Yep. That's where we started too. Yeah. And you know, in that situation, you're coming in with, you know, how much did you say you've been at the company for three months and they've been at the company for 10 years, 30 days, sorry, 30 days. Oh, wow. Um, how long, and something managers who've been around for a little while talk about a lot is like the listening tour, the idea of getting to the team in the environment. When do you shift tables there? How long do you participate in the listening tour? And, and when do you shift to, you know, leading that team meeting? I think it depends on the environment. So okay. um, I'm a big note taker. I'm a big person that takes notes. And as I think of things that are opportunities, um, you can even see my notepad here. <laughs> I always have a notepad. Um, but when I take notes and there's things I think that can change, I always put it at the very back of the notepad. It's the last page. Huh. That way, if anybody looks at my notepad or looks down in it, they don't see that list because that can also put people on the defensive. Yeah. And if somebody's doing something wrong, again, sometimes it's maybe being more efficient, more effective, changing uh, modernization sometimes mm-hmm. uh, that needs to happen within an organization. Um, sometimes it's just adding technology into the picture um, that you can do. And I think... Um, you have to gauge that yourself and you know, depending on who hired you and what your deliverables are. Um, I will tell you that I typically for the first 30 days really try to just listen and gather information and get to know people. To me, it's all about the connection because if you can establish those relationships and connections at the beginning, it's much easier to start trying to shift things through the fact that you did listen to them. You respected their opinion, respected their knowledge and expertise. And then you can start shifting that. If you come in day three and say, we're going to change this and this is the new hours and there's this or that you're going to have more roadblocks. I'm not saying you can't do that because sometimes that's what you've been charged to do. Um, they want the immediate result, but you're going to have to speed up the people side at the same time. Otherwise as a manager, you're going to find yourself very frustrated because they're going to throw every roadblock up. They can. No, that's great. And I mean, 30 days is awesome. And I think people can feel like that might be a long period of time, but how well can you really get to know someone in three or even just a few weeks, you know, and you're suggesting that we ask questions to learn how someone likes to be recognized, how they like to communicate around feedback. Um, These very personalized things. Is it easy to just ask that question right away? Or do you like to have a little buildup to kind of prepare them for it? Personally, I always like to ask those only in one-on-ones. Okay. Because I think people think that there's only one way when it's a group setting. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. If you go through a room, so let's say you have 10 people sitting around a table, 25, you got people on the phone, remote, whoever says the first answer 
most people are just going to say, oh, I, I agree with that. That's what I want. And that's not necessarily true. So as you talk to people, whether it's an official one-on-one or as you get to know them, ask those questions. And it's a way to get to know people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're less defensive about it and they don't think there's a right or wrong answer. And they're going to give you something that's more concretely related to them. And they may change it later. You know, you may have somebody that tells you that they want really direct feedback. Um, I had a member on my team that said they really wanted direct feedback, but every time you gave them kind of direct feedback and it wasn't criticism necessary, they cried. And so you just have to be prepared for that too. Um, sometimes what they think they want and how they react to it is very different. Yeah, no, definitely. That's, and it's just a good reminder. This goes back. I love the diversity of, of people and mindsets and wants and yeah. everything. I think the key thing was to think about put yourself in their own shoe, their shoes. Okay. Um, there's probably nobody listening or on this that's watching it that wants to be yelled or screamed at. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to be yelled and screamed at, how are you going to get the results if you do that? Yep. And every manager's done it. I mean, I've lost my cool and <laughs> screamed at people before. We've worked for people that have done it to us. I mean, so it happens. Do you know what I mean? But it's not necessarily the most productive. Yeah. There was purpose. Um, you know, one of the things I always say too is as a manager, Sometimes if you do lose your cool or, you know, you swear in the workplace, which is not appropriate, apologize. Again, that goes back to that mistake saying, hey, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. Um, I apologize for how it came across. I wasn't mad at you. There were some other things going on. Whatever the situation is, um, even if you really were mad at them, you know, you still want to apologize and move forward because you still need to work together on the same page. Yep. I think that's great. Um, well, that's lovely. We have full circle. We even touched on mistakes. What are the high level takeaways for anyone leaving this video that we just want to make sure they remember? I, I think the biggest thing is I can't emphasize these five words the most. If you're building a plan to manage people, it is, an, it is not an event. It is definitely a journey. Each little event adds into that. And you want to keep these things in mind, communication, consistency, diversity, respect of others, building that trust, follow up and staying focused definitely apply, but your actions, your behaviors are, will say more than anything. I mean, I think everybody's heard the saying, lead by example. Mm-hmm. You as a leader, depending on how you do that, um, no matter what kind of environment you want to create is what's going to set the tone. Mm-hmm. You know, do you walk the talk? Um, so I think you have to keep in mind, you know, really basics, spend the time. It's not going to happen overnight. You've got to take the time. Um, and everybody gets really nervous about how do I schedule this in? Again, you don't have to do it all at one time. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to say that you're going to meet with everybody one-on-one in a quarter at your team meeting, that gives you three months to schedule a half hour or an hour. I mean, I suggest you try to do it within 45 days at the beginning. Don't wait till the 90th day and you schedule everybody the same week. Um, yeah. Very productive and it's going to drive you nuts. But, you know, really think about how that applies in. Um, put the work in. I mean, it is work. Um, I think the reward is there. You'll find that you have less problems. You have less discipline. Uh, you don't have turnover. I mean, nobody as a manager likes turnover because if you bring somebody on new, you're going to spend more than that time getting them up to speed, getting them integrated to the team. And if you have a routine of this with team meetings and one-on-one, it's very much easier to have somebody come and join the team. Yep. You build on that. Um, follow-up is the other piece. Um, and I think one thing that I always think of is you – you are what you do. Mm-hmm. You are not what you say you'll do. So it's all about actions. I love it. I think that's great. Um, and every tip you gave, and I hope everyone hears this, I, I kicked it off in the very beginning of mentioning this too. It shows you ways to have control of your people management strategy. And I think that's really impactful. So you can be the one really behind the driver's seat and driving to the results that, that you want. 
And I think, I think as leaders and new managers, new managers are existing managers. That's the one thing sometimes that people feel like they're out of control. Like mm-hmm. I'm managing, I'm, it's out of control. I don't have control of it. And by doing some of these simple things, and we're just talking about two team meetings and one-on-ones, and there's definitely more you can do, you know, recognition, feedback, um, scheduling time, you know, following up all adds into that. You will find that you have more control. You're more at peace. You're not stressed out. You're not wigging out about different things. And we try to provide a link to, which I think they'll post in the comments where some of this is summarized and there's articles to reference to that kind of talk about the whys. There's lots of articles about turnover, why you want to do this. Lots of people have different perspectives, um, but it's definitely worth your time and investment. Yep. Oh, perfect. So as Sarah said, you will have the takeaways in the comments, as well as a lot of the articles we've been discussing. Um, And if you go to tippingpointgroup.com, which will be shared slash Marlowe, Sarah gave us amazing summary with some really great information to take away. So Sarah, if people want to stay connected with you or ask you questions, what's the best way to reach you? Um, If you just hit contact on the tipping point page, you can do that. Or I can give you my direct email. Um, It's kind of long. It's S Hatfield at tipping dash, well, tipping dash point dash group.com. Great. You reach out anytime or through LinkedIn, you can send messaging um, as well, which I think is also on the uh, event piece as well. And there's always questions come up. You're always going to have weird scenarios. I I can tell you right now, there's probably nothing that you could tell me that an employee has done that I haven't heard. I think the weirdest one I ever heard was an employee that was not performing, told me a ghost was keeping them up and then tried to act like the ghost during the one-on-one. That's so great. Wait, what did you do about that though? Well, my response was, well, I didn't hire the ghost. And last I knew ghosts were separate than the individual. So let's talk about you. That's so great. And then he started laughing because he knew that like, it's not going to (laughs) fly. Oh, I do have a question for you. Actually, right before we leave, I'm sorry. Um, A question from Christina. Do you have any advice for women in leadership or for women who want to work their way into leadership? Um, I, one of the things I find um, for myself is try to find somebody that you respect and uh, like how they manage and their role and ask them to be, you know, your mentor. Um, you know, it can be male or female. I will tell you some of the best mentors I have have been males who really wanted to help put more women in leadership. Um, as I mentioned, my background is in retail. Um, it's amazing. There's lots of women that work in retail in the stores and in the retail shops and people stereotype that women shop more than men. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes to leadership within organizations, it's very male dominated. And so having that mentor and you can have more than one in organizations. And I think that's a way to help you figure out how to get into it, but they can also help you know where to navigate through an organization. And yeah. when I come up. And just to elaborate on that a little further, because we get this mentorship question all the time, um, which is just how do you make that connection? So you've identified someone, how do you connect with them? And then how do you ask them to be your mentor? Because I think that feels awkward for people sometimes. Yeah, I found the best way for me personally was just be direct about it. Most of them were thrilled that you were willing to ask them to be a mentor. Um, when you, when you beat around the bush, they kind of wonder like, what's going on? What do you need? What do you want? Where, you know, even if you've only met them once in a meeting or they're higher up in the organization, you know, just write a little bit of summary about your background, what you're looking to do, and you're interested in, you know, finding out more how do you be in leadership and that would they be interested in being a mentor. If they don't have time themselves or can't, they've also sometimes recommended other people in the organization. Yep. 
No, definitely. I think that's great. And I, I love the directness. Like someone says, well, will someone be offended? And I'm like, I don't think anyone will ever be offended that you respect them enough that you want them to mentor you. I think that's a really think wonderful the thing. thing. The upper one with the directness is sometimes they feel bad because mm-hmm. they can't make the time commitment. But what I found is if they personally can't make the time commitment, it has no reflection on the individual themselves. It's about their own responsibilities and things. They'll recommend somebody else. Mm-hmm. Which the CEO of an organization. They may know they'll do it themselves, but they may recommend somebody else that's a VP or a different role to help you. Yep, absolutely. Um, I love that. And I think we covered Christina's question. So if anyone else wants to follow up with Sarah, her LinkedIn's at the very top of the comments page. We'll send a follow-up email to anyone who RSVP'd via Eventbrite. Um, And again, there's a link at the bottom on Tipping Point where Sarah has summarized all of the notes from this conversation. So you have everything you could possibly need. Um, So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, There's also example agendas for one-on-ones and... um, Team meetings, they give you an idea of questions. So if you open that up, it's a PDF. Uh, Again, I'm not saying ask all those questions, you know, limited to two or three, but it kind of gives you an idea of how you could potentially lead it. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not sure, like, what questions should I ask the team? I've had them for 10 years, but I want to reset. You know, there's questions that will jump out to you that you think will apply to your team based on, again, that question. What kind of environment do you want? How do you want your team to work together? Yeah, that's. Great. Look at that. Okay. So you have template agendas now from Sarah. You have every tip and trick you could ever need. There's no excuse to take control over your people management strategy. So I'm so excited to hear more. Um, please let us know at Marlo and let Sarah know what you thought and how the tips are working. So I hope to see from you all soon and we'll, I'm sure be seeing Sarah more again in the future. So thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Bye, Bye everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Head over to levelingup.co to join our newsletter and to find past episodes.